name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. As we approach now, next week, we go into the Lenten season. As we approach the Lenten season, here we are now given a reading, one of the most famous lines in the Bible, probably the most important line in the Bible, right? We know it everywhere. John 3.16, it's always plastered at sporting events, it's plastered, you know, at, and famously by, by, uh, by athletes, by actors, by you name it, whatever it might be. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son. When it is that we listen to this, we listen to the entire echo of the Bible, and what a beautiful line it is, especially as we focus now on Lent. Focus now on great Soma, Soma Rabba. We focus now on this great fasting period of the church, where we try to see Jesus more clearly, where we try to see our spiritual lives in the light of Christ, and we are able to try to come closer and closer to Him by recognizing our sin, and today we are given John 3.16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that everyone who believes in Him might not die, might not perish, but have eternal life. Have eternal life. When we look at the context of this, we look at the story of Nicodemus, right? A lot of people kind of go to John 3.16. That was great. That was amazing. But what is the context of this? What is the context of why it is that Jesus says this? And He says this to Nicodemus. Nicodemus, who we are told, is a ruler of the Jews, probably a great, a great respected member, a great respected Jewish scholar. And here he is now, he goes to Jesus in the middle of the night. And remember, in the Gospel of John, there is no detail that is left unturned, not at all. Every detail is very important. John doesn't just throw this in there just because, but remember, he wants you to understand something. Nicodemus goes at night. Why does he go at night? Here he is, he goes at night. Probably, you know, some commentators say, because he doesn't want to be seen. Here he is, he's a very well-respected member. Jesus is gaining a lot of scrutiny among, among, among the Jewish elders, among the Jewish scribes and the Pharisees, the ruling religious class. And so Nicodemus probably goes at night because he doesn't want to be seen. That could be a case. Let's dig a little deep. Here is Nicodemus who goes at night. And he is a great teacher of Israel, and even Jesus himself says this. When he says, you must be born anew, Nicodemus doesn't quite understand it, because he's still in the dark. He's still in the dark. But what does Nicodemus try to do? He tries to move out of the darkness. He goes to Jesus, even though he doesn't understand, and he's not questioning him, he's not scrutinizing him, but he's actually trying to understand what it is that Jesus is getting Lord, we know that you are a teacher come from God. We know that you do all these things. No one can do all these things unless they are with God. But I struggle to understand. How? How do I do these things? And Jesus says, unless you are born anew, you will never understand. And now he's thinking still, born anew, born again. All these different translations, right? Born again, born anew, whatever it might be. But here we are now, we're trying to figure out, okay, how am I born anew? Nicodemus is trying to move out of the darkness. He's trying to come into light. Here is John who keeps saying that here is the light of the world. Here is Jesus Christ who enters into our world. And the more in which the light of the world enters into the world, the darkness tries to overcome. Or men, he says, love the darkness so much, they love the darkness rather than the light, they prefer to sit in the darkness. He says this now in John 1, in John 2, and now John 3 as well. That the light of the world now moves in. He's trying to capture our attention. The light of the world is trying to show us the light of life, the light of eternal life. 
But some men preferred the darkness. They preferred to sit in their sin. That's what he's getting at. So here's Nicodemus. He's trying to understand. Nicodemus is trying to understand how is it that I'm born again? How is it that I come to this new life? What is it that I must do? And here is Jesus who answers. Nicodemus said to Jesus, how can this be? Jesus answered him, are you a teacher of Israel and you do not understand how it is that when you're born again? And now here is Jesus who says, for God's... Sorry, it's been a long day, huh? Now, just as Moses lifted up the serpents in the desert, so must the Son of Man be lifted up so that everyone who believes in Him might have eternal life. Just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the desert, what does he get it? For Nicodemus, he understands this. For Nicodemus, he understands that he is a teacher of the law. He understands that he is a teacher of the Old Testament. And so what he's getting, what Jesus is getting at is that just as the days of old, when it is that Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness... Nicodemus knows this. When it is that you look back in history, this was a time during the Exodus period when the Jews were leaving the great land of e- when they were leaving the land of Egypt to make for the great land of Israel, and they were stuck in the desert. And as they're stuck in the desert, they're grumbling and they're complaining against God. They're being a rebellious people, and so God sends out serpents. He sends out venomous snakes, and these venomous snakes start to bite the people, and a lot of people die, and the people begin to complain to Moses. What, is, what do we do? How do we be saved? How is it that we, we move away from this? How is it that God can save us? And they still continue to grumble against God. And God tells Moses, make a serpent, a bronze serpent. Put it on a pole and raise it up. And everyone who's bitten by the snake will see that serpent and they will be healed instantly. And as they are healed instantly when they look up at that serpent, so now must the Son of Man be lifted up that those who might believe in Him might have eternal life. The Son of Man lifted up. The Son of Man lifted up. And every time we see Him, we are now cured. That's what He's getting. But how does looking at your affliction, how does looking at your suffering, how does looking at your bronze serpent, how does looking at your problem in the eye solve this? Take a step back. Even in our our modern modern day world, right? We go to a therapist, psychoanalysis, things of that nature, right? You You go to therapy and things of that nature. And when you look at the problem firsthand, when you look at your suffering, when you look at the affliction, when you look at that wound, when you look at those memories that sometimes we try to repress, we try to bury in our hearts, we try to avoid those problems in our life, what are therapists going to say? Bring it up. Bring it up. Even in spiritual direction. In prayer. When it is that you have a certain problem, when it is you have a certain affliction, you don't repress, you don't push it to the back of your heart, you don't try to avoid these things, not at all, not in the slightest. But you bring them up to Christ, you bring them. You must look at your problem for what it is, you must look at that suffering, put a name to it, and the more in which you look at it, the more in which you analyze it, the more in which you realize this is the source of my problem, the more it is that you can find that healing and begin that healing process. And so it's strange, right? The snake that bit me, I look at the bronze serpent, the one that Moses put up, and now it is that I'm healed. But when you look at your problem firsthand, when you look at the cause, the source, that's what makes the difference. And the same now goes as Jesus is getting at, when it is that we look at the cross. When we look at the cross, it should be a reminder to us. But every time we see the cross, what is it to us? It's a sign of our sin. It's a sign of when it is that we push against God. It's a sign 
of how it is that God reminds us of our sin, that God is placed here, and every time we look at it, we are reminded of the sin in our own lives. And when it is that we are reminded of the sin in our own lives, we see that thing that is causing us the most stress, the most anxiety, that's causing us to fall into darkness, that thing which is hindering us, that thing which is not allowing us to go towards God. And that, when we look at the cross, is our injustice towards Him, is the way we are going against Him, is the way we say we don't need Him. You see, because some of the greatest sins, my brothers and sisters, is complacency, is listening to the world. Oh, I don't have sin. You're a great person. You do great things. Everyone is good just the way they are. There is no such thing as sin. That is the greatest lie of the devil. That there is no such thing as sin. The greatest lie of the devil. That everyone's good. Everyone's just peachy. Everything's great. Walk throughout life. Whatever it might be, you're a good person. You know, sure you lie and cheat here and there. Whatever it might be. But is that a good person? Well, you're not hurting anyone. But are you still a good person? You see, anybody can be a good person. The great lie told of Christianity, right, and this is part of it, what Fulton Sheen says, Archbishop Fulton Sheen, if you ever listen to his talks, great, great, great orator of, of the great 1940s and 50s, beautiful talks on the app, Fulton Sheen talked, right, just type in Fulton Sheen and you get in a whole app with his talks, amazing stuff. Anyways, I digress, right? When you look at Fulton Sheen, he says, Jesus did not come to make us nice people. Not at all. He didn't come to make us just nice people, and that's about it, and we go about our merry way. Not in the slightest. That's part of it. But anybody can be nice. Any person of any religious tradition can be nice. You name it. You don't have to be a Catholic to be a nice guy. You could be an atheist and be the greatest moral person. Not at all. What Fulton Sheen says that Jesus came down to do was to make creation new, was to be born again. And every time it is now that we look at the cross, we are born again because we understand what it is that Jesus has done for us. We understand that when we look at it, yes, we see our sin, we see what it is that we have done to Him, but at the same time, when it is, as Jesus says, when we believe in the Son of Man who has been lifted up, it's then that our hearts begin to change. You see, the word believe is not just, okay, yeah, here's a statement, and now I believe it, and now I'm saved. Not at all. The word here from the Greek comes from believe, meaning to trust. The more I trust now in this cross, the more I trust in the Son of Man that has been lifted up, the more I trust in His love, the more I trust in His mercy, the more I trust in His overwhelmingness that comes to me, the more I am born anew, the more I have new life, the more I can see what it is that the overwhelming love of Jesus has done for me. And so that is what it is when we see the cross, that we see the bronze serpent that now becomes the Son of Man lifted up, that we might not die but have eternal life as long as we trust in Him, as long as we allow Him to work. My brothers and sisters, we're going towards the season of Lent. Next week begins the first Sunday of Lent, and the question now becomes, are what are these sins of my life that I need to hand over to God, to trust in Him? How is it that I can see my new life in Jesus? And what is it in me that's going to be transformed to give me new eternal life? What is it? What is this cross of Jesus? What has He done for you? What is this overwhelming love? You see, when we look at it, we see how it is that our sin, sure, put Jesus on the cross, but we see the overwhelming love that swallows it, that destroys it, that obliterates that sin in our life to give us that new life. Nicodemus moves from the darkness into the light. He doesn't want to live in darkness anymore. No, not at all. He wants to try to understand. And that's exactly what he does 
He goes and he talks to the author of life, he talks to the creator of the universe, and he asks some of these questions that are in the pit of his stomach, that are in, in the center of his heart. He asks these questions he really wants to understand, and that's how Nicodemus approaches Jesus. Help me to understand. Help me to realize. Help me to see the sin in my own life. To move out from the darkness into the light. So, I, so that I might be able always to worship your holy name each and every day. Amen.